This is the Farm Hop Life Men's Forum, uh, number nine. I'm Matt DeRosier of A Farm Hop Life, and you sh since uh, for the last couple of weeks now, I've had Josiah Young of Over the Moon Farm in Missouri joining me. How are you doing tonight? Good, are you? Let's start with some personal events. Uh, what, what's uh, what's a personal event you've uh, you've got? Nothing crazy. We uh, we traded traded little bucklings um, last week. Traded, I think he was ten weeks old. We traded him for the new uh, herd sire. Um, so we have. Prior to this, we had um, we would have had only I think seven does that that the the old buck could have bred. Um, so we traded one of his offspring um, for a new guy. So we should be set for the next year or two. Um, so that's kind of a thinking ahead long-term move um and splitting firewood i know it's it's june and um you know it's 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 hot here but it'll be cold before you know it so you just use a splitting on? mall or do you got a splitter we have a splitter my dad and i um pun intended split a splitter and nice. uh, my brother and i go down take it down to his house and we split everything he needs for the for the winter in a couple of weeks and then it lives up here at my house so Nice. How many how many cords of wood do you go through as a winner? I've always been really bad at estimating, but I think between three and four. Okay. Um, not so awful. Nothing, no, nothing crazy. And we burn a fair amount. It's our only source of heat, so we we're only wood burner. Um, so we we do burn. It's a fairly long season for for Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, nothing like a, a northern climate, but I mean, we burn usually sometime in October to um, April. So I was going to say, come late March, you're going to be happy you started splitting wood in June rather than, you know, let it, let it pile up to like, oh my gosh, it's late fall. And I have like, I'm so not prepared. We've, we've been there. The first, the first year that we burned, I had no idea how much we were going to use. Sure, and, I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, nobody, that? even out here, nobody burns as their only source, really. Um, you know, everybody's got a backup, so it was kind of hard to gauge. And obviously, depending on how drafty your house is or whatever, you know, you may burn a lot more than somebody else anyways. But that was pretty much the first year. But we've been better since then. And my pile of wood that needed to get split was huge. So we had to mm. – I can't even go get more wood unless I get rid of that pile. That was my wife's my wife's terms. <laughs> so All hardwoods or – Yeah, we're pretty spoiled for choice here. Um we have uh, Dutch elm disease and ash borer kind of going through right now. So mm. we, there's a lot of elm and ash that's pretty much free for the taking. Dang. And then um, back when I was in Kansas City, I hauled a lot of oak over to my parents' house. Um, people, as soon as storms roll through, people post on Craigslist, you know, free firewood, chop it up and come get it. So I used to make a lot of trips for that. I bet. With gas at $5 a gallon, it's not worth me doing that anymore from the sure. city. Um but there's enough people up here. There's enough farmers up here. They'll let me clean the fence rows up and whatnot for them. So we'll get it done. Do you? I I'm gonna assume this answer. Do you watch TikTok at all? Like anything at all? There's this there's this cool woodworker who is doing. Um, I'll, I'll send you the link. He's doing the entire uh, United States um, for that like states state's tree yeah for like so so it's like a map or whatever how's it going long story i'm doing great how are you guys doing tonight good man glad uh glad you could be here um i didn't i only told josiah that you were going to be late i didn't make that public <laughs> or why <laughs> uh, yeah who knows yeah gotta gotta work man so anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Uh, we were just we were just talking about some personal stuff, and I was just explaining to Josiah like the um, this guy on TikTok's doing like a map of the United States for that state's like you know the state tree or whatever. And the last one that I saw was um, Missouri, and he's like, "Let's do you guys think that you know Missouri should like it's it's state tree should be like the black walnut because of this and that and the other thing and like I don't know it just it looks super cool he laid out like a lot of good reasons for um why black walnut should be Missouri state tree but it I don't should. know it's like very very niche TikTok but like uh it's cool it's interesting 
and like you know when he he shows you like making each state um like he does it on like a bandsaw and then fine tunes it and gives it like a nice finish and um it's pretty cool i'll i'll, I'll send it to you guys if i can if i can remember to find yeah, it yeah i'll see it yeah <laughs> yeah alaska's alaska's huge and he got like a bunch of backlash like that's not the real size of alaska it'd be bigger smaller or whatever and he goes this is the tool that i used and he dragged it and he's like see look like it <laughs> like why do i have to i don't know just it's the people. internet yeah. somebody somebody internet somewhere's got to be pedantic right that's true that's true it has to be has to be uh long story what uh well first off do you want to share who you are and where you are i think you do that at the end but yeah well i'm uh i'm in uh south carolina and we're we're trying to get a little um a little farm off the ground uh we're, we go to the farmer's market and we do a little bit on social media and just getting started so i've been doing this almost a year and uh you know still working the day job but got big dreams so can find Big us dreams, at the new little farm <laughs> yeah that should be the yep. name new name rebrand no no i i was asked at a at the farmer's market this weekend uh this lady walked up and she says so tell me your long story and i'm i'm like well okay um so my last name is long that's that's the first step and uh <laughs> but but um you know uh, starting a farm when you're when you're let's say a little past midlife is that's a long, it takes, it was a long journey to get to the realization. This is what I wanted to do, you know? And then the other thing is, you know, and I've shared this with you before um, in the mm -hmm. podcast we did together, but you know, my mom and dad and my little sister have all died of cancer. And I, I think that our food system is a big part of that problem and I want to be part of the solution. So um, I told her that story and she's like, Oh my gosh, I just bought a bunch of stuff at Sam's, but I'm coming next week. I want to support you guys. And that's, <laughs> it's great when you can share that and people, it resonates with people, you know, that's awesome. So, yeah. 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 That's uh, it's, it, it's unfortunate your story, but it's a good story that it, it really grabs people. And, um, and like, I mean, it, it's personal, right? Like it's, uh, I mean, how could it not be personal? Like you put your blood, sweat and tears into your farm and um, it's just part of your story and people can resonate with that. And it, it helps them remember uh, yep. who you are and they feel a connection to their, where their food comes from because of that. So we don't have to go yep. through like the whole, like we are, we already did a marketing branding and sales episode, but um there's, there's something in there about that. Yeah. What yep. is what is your personal event? Let's go through a personal event of yours. What from the from the past week? Yeah. Well, I, I put this on Twitter, but we had uh, a bull killed by a lightning strike. Um, we had a a Jersey bull. I talked about him being a little bit scary. Um, he had kind of started calming down. I was less worried about it, but I still had a, I'm still waiting on the processor to, to come and, and, uh, we were going to have him, him butchered. Um, and, uh, yeah, so a storm rolled through Wednesday afternoon and, um, we loaded up some pigs Thursday, uh, Wednesday night, took them to the butcher Thursday morning. And as I was getting, picking up the pork from the, from the processor, I got a text from one of my sons saying, Hey dad, the bull's dead. And it had already been a bad day. And I'm just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You know, I just I just felt like, you know, the bottom dropped out because it's just such a devastating thing. And I, I shared that uh, shared that with a friend of mine. And he said, you know, if you were a subsistence farmer, that might have meant starvation. You know, you think about our ancestors in the mid 1800s or something like that. That might have been that might have been it. You know, that might have been, you know. That uh, could have been a pretty devastating loss, you know. Long um, stories cut short. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, you you get out of there with these jokes. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Yeah. So that's my that was the event of the last week. We had a really good weekend at the farmers market. Um, so you know, overall, yeah, good week. But that was really tough. It's sad. So mm -hmm. sobering thought. And the dog is barking at the other dogs. So. Don't know if you can hear that or not. There's a lot I of background noise. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, these Jabra headsets are pretty decent at that. 
filtering out that stuff. So nice. Cool. Um, I guess quick personal event for me, like we just cleaned like all weekend getting ready for the baby. And, uh, I guess, I don't know if you can count it early father's day, uh, local store was having 30% off DeWalt sales. So I bought uh cordless DeWalt fencing staple gun. Looking, looking to test that out. We uh, found some used fencing for sale that I got to go drive two hours to go get, but I talked the guy down like 500 bucks. So from what he wanted for it. So that's the way to get fencing, man. Gonna, gonna make, make the journey this Saturday to go get it. So that's, that's that's pretty much it. So this is gonna, this is kind of like, um, you know, you guys will probably just kind of shake your head, but in 2020, I was, um, I was trying to fence in more than I, more than I was able to get done. So I have nine rolls of the 47 inch stock wire, uh, that I bought in 2020, but I never got to, I never got to install it. And you can't even find that stuff here, here right now. You can't find Mm. it. If you can, (coughs) it's doubled in price basically. So got feeling pretty lucky that I was, uh, such a procrastinator, you know, or whatever. But, um, yeah, so I've, I've got it on hand. So I'm pretty excited that, you know, at least I've got it. So anyway, yeah, that is, yeah. The, uh, well, I had T post sticker shock buying T posts last year to put up the fence. Yeah. For similar reasons. Like prices have gone up enough. Yeah. I that, bought a, uh, I bought a pallet. I bought a pallet T post with that as well. So I kind of have the whole setup and yeah, awesome. it's crazy. Sounds like we're going to, sorry. I didn't mean to talk. Long, over you, long story. <laughs> no, no, I just, that's, that's, I mean, it, it's, I was somebody on Twitter and posted about how, uh, how unusual it is for Americans to be kind of regretting not having bought something last year. Like that's not a, that's not a typical American thing. You know, it's a, it's more of a place, you know, racked with inflation, you know, you regret not making purchases and, it's been like that with fencing and with T posts. I mean, I found myself pretty lucky that the neighbor was was pulling his fence, and I got to yank those T posts. Um, you know, because I got ninety T posts for an hour of work, basically. Um, That's which fantastic. Paid, yeah, I mean, that definitely definitely paid for my uh, paid for my labor. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, when, you know, yeah, sitting on sitting on fencing like that. That's a that's a good thing to be to be sitting. I had on. um. You know, I, I've worked a lot in Latin America, and um, I knew some guys from Argentina that had moved to Mexico during the crisis in like 2001 or whatever it was. They, they called. They had this thing they called the Coralejo, where they they just swept up all the bank accounts and art, retirement accounts and everything, and gave it back to you at like 10 cents on the dollar. And uh, during that period of time, they were having you know you know rampant inflation and people are getting paid daily and going out and buying whatever tangibles they could put their hands on tires, electronics, whatever they could get just to get the cash out of their hands as quickly as they could. And, you know, hopefully it never gets that bad here, but you know, Americans are not used to eight or 9% or 30% or whatever that we've seen over the last couple of months. And it's going to be, uh, it'll be interesting. Hopefully that slows down, but if it doesn't, you know, (laughs) you can imagine uh, how scary that would be to be just, like, how can I get rid of this cash? What can I get? <laughs> you know, that's nuts. I mean, I tell, I, I use the, um, the, a trailer as a metric. I was, um, right as Corona started, um, I was going to buy an 18 foot, um, dual axle trailer and uh, there was a deal. It was $2,800. Um, COVID hit. I work in the shipping industry. And so, um, March and April of 2020 were the worst months company had ever seen. Um, so I said, you know what? It's probably not a great idea for me to go buy this trailer. I'm going to sit on this money. And uh, so I sat and waited. And um, I looked at buying that trailer again last year. And it's up over $6,000. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, and, and so maybe we're not we're not talking quite, um, you know, Venezuela or um, what's the place in Africa? Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is the famous one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not, we're not to that level, but that was still something. I mean, that was one of those moments where, I mean, it wasn't, you know, day over day, but it like, you know, a year and a half later, that trailer doubled and, and my dad ended up buying a trailer from the same folks and they, it, it took them, I think an extra three weeks to build it because they couldn't, uh, they couldn't find welders that would weld. Yeah, only three weeks ain't bad. 
No, no, not in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, lead times are bad. Um, I, I, I was doing a project in the house, and I needed um, a little stainless steel. And um, within a couple of weeks of getting a quote um, and saying, well, I need to wait, a, I need to wait like, um, I guess I waited two and a half months. And uh, quote went up by more than ten percent in that in that time frame. And and I think what what's you know the statistics right now they're saying inflation is eight eight percent or whatever annually. The issue is that it's not spread evenly across the economy, whether that's a supply chain shocks or you know uh, excess demand because of the stimulus or whatever. You know, it's some of that is uh, maybe not even technically you know, de- by definition, inflation, but you were, we're seeing, and I think a lot of consumers that aren't buying, this is a mindset that needs to die, by the way, uh, <clears throat> the idea that, um, you know, people don't buy productive assets and they think they're a capitalist, it drives me crazy. But anyway, um, if you're not buying an asset like a tractor or a trailer or whatever, you don't realize how much those types of things have gone up in price um, because it's been much more than the stated inflation rate and mm-hmm. i mean it's insanity the necessary really things the thing the important things the things that make the country run they those are the things that have experienced the most inflation you yep. know i um i bought a laptop recently and it, it it's not really any any more money than buying a laptop would have been five years ago for the same specs i mean same level of specs or whatever you want to you want to call it but you know the trailer um or you just can't get stuff my dad ordered uh, a mini excavator um in march i believe and um they kept pushing it out and a month ago they said maybe the end of the year maybe not we don't know um so he ended up yep. changing his mind and going a different route but i mean that that that's the stuff that's concerning you know is yep. when because if you put just essentials you know the inflation rate i'm sure would be a lot a lot higher even using the same metric that they use yep and what uh and what worries you is that if there's a certain amount of investment dollars and we already probably have underinvested in infrastructure anyway, and now you've got those types of things you can't get or you can't buy. And then what's that going to do to our infrastructure longer term? You know, uh, some of those things will have to be put off because it'll just go up so much in price to do this, do the same work. So yeah, that's not, not good news. Nope. So mindsets that need to die to tie this into our top, would be just-in-time shipping. I don't have it in the notes, but it's kind of what we're talking about. Just-in-time shipping, like that kind of whole, basically how uh, how our country is run. That's a mindset that needs to die. Yeah, but I mean... What does that look like? I think, also, I mean, the root cause of a lot of these these mindsets that I that I think need to die anyways, they, they come from the, the root cause, which is this... Um, this abundance mindset um, there's infinite abundance of everything yeah of? i mean it's the opposite of the scarcity you know we we don't live in that we don't we don't think that when we walk into a a walmart that there's going to be a shortage or that there's a shortage of gas or whatever um or rationing yeah you know so we we kind of but but with those i mean they're just in time it it there's a time and a place for it um you know i'm mean, working shipping um, you know, so I can, I can tell you there, there is a time and a place for it, but overall there's, there's not a whole lot of resilience in, in how we handle freight. I mean, we see that just in breakdowns, you know, the, the Long Beach longshoremen, I don't know if the contract ended up, if they've worked that out or not, but like when, you know, if they, they end up going on strike that, I mean, that just shows you how, um, how fragile that system is. And if there's no products, you know, if it's got to come straight over, um, you know, it kind of reveals the weakness of not having enough stock on hand. So, yeah. Um, it, it, it the just in time shipping, it does make sense because then it, you know, think of all the commercial space that would be needed for everything locally. You know what I mean? Like, we'd have like a, like a Best Buy would be five times as big, like a Costco would be five times bigger than it is, you know, all these things would be all these buildings that store stuff would be huge in all these cities across the United States to, you know, like, Oh, Hey, we'll get more next week. Like, no, you won't. Like, so, you know, you, 
you kind of get what I mean? Like you have to store stuff, well, you know, throughout instead of, hey, we'll yeah, just get you, more next week. If you look at the history of just in time, a lot of it came from the quality, <clears throat> total quality management and all that stuff that, you know, with like Toyota and stuff like that. But the thing is what, the, what a lot of these uh, companies were doing is really pushing the inventory, uh, especially for, um, you know, raw materials onto the balance sheet of their suppliers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, I worked in the Coke system for a while and they had, um, you know, they had suppliers that were on site that had all the PET. They owned it until it uh, moved across the conveyor belt into the factory floor. And then, then it became Coke's, you know, um, kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that was, you know, lean, you know, trying to get lean and, and, uh, reduce, you know, improve your return on investment and return on equity and things like that. And I think that really speaks a lot to, uh, an extension of maybe the a mindset needs to die is this whole concept of financialization of everything. Like everything is valued in, you know, a dollar or rate of return or whatever. And, um, yeah, it definitely has huge costs probably to, the commons and the, you know, uh, uh, the environment, uh, because we try to financialize everything, turn everything into a commodity. Um, it's, it's, that's, that's definitely a mindset needs to die. So, but anyway, it's interesting. uh, All connected on the just in time, a, a brief humorous story. I, uh, I was importing stuff for a supplier for a large industry and they supplied stuff for a, huge instantly identifiable company um and this company ran out of goods to keep their assembly line moving and so this is in in a good a good year this is not 2020 or anything and uh, they flew the stuff in to this airport desperate to keep this assembly line running because for every hour that it was off i think they were going to get charged 250 grand and so they flew it in there was like eight pallets of stuff truck goes to pick it up at the airport they only get four of the pallets on so the truck makes it halfway to their destination which was like three states away before he realizes he doesn't have all the pallets it's like midnight so they get another truck to go out they go get the, the stuff that the other four pallets the first truck makes it drives past the factory and ends up getting lost somewhere somewhere in the backwoods of whatever state this is can't get turned around the locals get mad at the guy gotta call the sheriff the other box truck ends up actually right behind him so they're both stuck on this road they can't turn around gotta get a tow truck to come get them they end up making it by the skin of their teeth i want to say it was like 30 minutes before the shift started monday morning so i come into the office monday morning I had already cleared customs. That's all I was doing in this, but I had already cleared customs, but I come in that Monday morning and I got to read like 270 emails of this poor freight forwarder guy trying desperately to keep these trucks from being late and getting there on time. And that's on a good time. That's on a time where freight shouldn't be moving. I don't remember what happened to the containers of this stuff that were supposed to be there, but that was a good year. That was good times. You know, freight was moving. So that's what just in time can do sometimes for you. So ah, the good old days. (laughs) <laughs> before before it was chaos so. yeah um do you guys have more comments on just in time or do you want to move on to something else we can that was all i had that was just my my funny yeah, story. let's move on man. that is funny that, i like that oh, man i got you, you do you do got to feel bad for those truckers so here's here's the, what kind of uh made me think of this topic uh, some, I disagree with somebody on Twitter. And so I'm going to go cry about it on my podcast. That's how this works. Um, the follow your passion versus do what you're good at and you'll learn to love it. That. So like this guy, this guy wrote, follow your passion is bad advice. Do what you're good at and you'll learn to love it. And, um, I, I disagreed. I said, that's even worse. Like think about the life you really want to live. Forget about the job and bills for a second. Then how do I get there? 
Finally, how do I make money once I'm there? Start at the end goal and work backwards. Don't create goals as you bumble through life. Like, like think long term, right? And so we went back a little, back and forth a little bit, and uh, that pissed me off. <laughs> it's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it pissed me off. Like, like, what if, if I mean, if to go to the extreme, like, what if nobody ever followed their passion? Like, what if you just like, oh, that's that looks nice. Like, what if none of us ever like had a farm or did anything? We just went to work and we're just like a mindless drone. Like, what kind of kind of world would that be? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people live in that world. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, with all due respect to anybody that might be listening that does live in that world, you know, like I, I think, you know, when I came out of school, um. I started off, I wanted to be, I wanted to get a PhD in economics. And I wanted to teach, I wanted to teach economics. Um, and so I started a PhD in economics, had a car accident, had to quit and uh, went back to school and, you know, I was, I was married and I was like looking at five years of abject poverty um, to finish the PhD. And then, then it would have just been, you know, another 15 or 20 years of moderate poverty. And I was like, that's probably not going to work to raise a family. So I, uh, I went, more of a you know back to like business school and ba type route um and i i thought that was gonna make me happy you know i wanted to be like a cfo or something and you know i was gonna pursue this career i used to jokingly tell people uh that i was getting a degree so i could go and exploit third world countries you know um (laughs) and uh you know just to make everyone angry because like you know saying the quiet part out loud kind of thing um But, um, you know, I thought that that the way I was defining success really had a lot more to do with status and it had to do with with what I wanted to do and and what I enjoyed. Um, And so it was like more seeking status than it was seeking joy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I and and I think, you know, I'm a very fortunate person. I've, I've been able to do a lot of different things. I'm, I'm capable of doing a lot of different things. And I, I struggled figuring out what I loved, figure out, figure out what my passion was because, you know, I, it wasn't one thing that I was really good at. That I was like, Oh, that's definitely my thing, you know, or anything. It's just kind of like, you know, what do you want? You know, what do you want to do? And I, 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 I was directed more by that status seeking, um, you know, kind of mindset than by, you know, seeking joy or, or whatever. And, um, I'm much happier now when I'm, you know, you know, I, I like, for example, I like looking at when you cut grass and you finish and you look at the lawn, you're like, yeah, that looks really nice. I like that. You know, (laughs) I enjoy that. And I, and so that's what I love about farming is you watch the landscape change. You watch the animals grow, whatever. Um, That's what I needed in my life. And so, you know, I, I, I'm pursuing that now. I have a friend who took the exact opposite approach and we always talk to each other about, man, you know, I have a career that gives me the money to do these things and he has pursued his passions and it's been, it's very different. And, and I don't, Mm -hmm. I think we both look at this and go, both of us have made huge, huge trade-offs and neither one of us is a hundred percent like happy or convinced we did it the right way we're you know and and i think that's you know i mentioned this in those notes i put in the in the show notes but you know this idea there's no trade-offs that's a mentality that's got to die there are trade-offs i mean when you pick one thing you automatically have chosen not a bunch of other things (laughs) and uh you know that's that was that's a key thing you know to look at i think when you're talking about your passions and what you're good at you have to look at what you what you choose not to do by choosing to do one thing that's that is true that is true uh we don't need to go down this tangent but in my notes you said you said you liked uh mowing your lawn i said having a lawn is a mindset that needs to die (laughs) completely agree okay well that's that's it we don't need to talk about that anymore i'm just talking about 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 since I'm talking about a sense of satisfaction. Of I, I get, I get the, yeah, that's I get what I meant. the whole, yeah, I, I get it. I get the, I get the mindset about mowing a lawn, 
I can understand that kind of like, um, it was like a week or two ago, like Martian farmer said that, uh, you know, he likes washing the dishes by hand. And I'm like, that is like the worst part of my day is having to wash dishes by hand. Like I'm like, I get, I get like the whole like mental space washing dishes by hand. I hate the activity. So we're going to find out that long story's got like eight acres of perfectly manicured lawn out front of his Not house. Not a dandelion now. in sight. No. He, he, na- no. he, he mows his neighbor's lawn for fun. He's got to get rid of them. So I will, I will yeah. tell you that I do mow an area around the house, but it's more to keep the rats and snakes and stuff away and the ticks, you know, <laughs> it's not so much no, about I, the lawn. It's, much, it's like fair enough. keeping the wildlife a little it. bit away from the front door. <laughs> I've posted about that before. I mean, I got kids and I got, you know, rattlesnakes running through the yard early. I mean, the previous owner did. So I assume, I assume they're around here somewhere. So for me, I mean, I, I keep an area mode, probably not as well as I would if I was in the city, but I keep an area mode. Um, yeah. The rest of it, I let go wild. I mean, it's not, it's not a manicured lawn, but it's short enough. I could see a rattlesnake. So. Oh. Yeah. What sure. about, uh, what about passion versus, uh, do what you're good at, Josiah. What do you think? You know, I I am not. I wouldn't say that I'm passionate about what uh, about how what I do for work. Um, I enjoy it to some degree. Um, it fulfills kind of puzzles. I get to solve puzzles all day. Um, it wasn't always the case. I switched actually to um, to working IT and doing doing some of that over over the freight movement, so that I, I do I do get some satisfaction from my job. Um, but I it basically just lets me live the way I want to. Um, and I think the difference there's a lot of people. I don't I don't know that they have an ambition outside of work, and their work ambition isn't anything crazy either. Um, so I have I have acquaintances that that's like I if you ask them what they did would do on a weekend, um, it would not be a very eventful weekend. I I I mean not to not to mock them I guess, but um, it would be a pretty consumer focused weekend, um, which is in stark contrast to a weekend that I would have, which is the the requirements of living on a piece of land and raising animals. Um, you know, it's upkeep usually. Well, think um, about think about what. Not sorry to interrupt, but think about no. like personal events that we share. All of ours <laughs> were around our homestead. It wasn't yeah. like, well, I guess I did a consumerism thing and bought like a Dewalt tool or whatever. But that's to do stuff on the homestead. Like, yeah, um, it's it's not like, yeah, I went out drinking and blah 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 and like. But I mean, I think I think ultimately a... it's it's about what you're what you're working towards. I mean, I I would argue my 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 approach to things probably wasn't all that different than Long Story when it came to it. My my goal is to work a job so that I could I could fulfill this other thing. Mm. Um, and I do not. It's been several generations since my family was farm farming. I did not have access to land or any way to do this and jump straight into it. This was something that I was going to have to do. And I didn't want to have to ask for help or get a government grant. You know, I, I looked at the young farmer stuff. I could have gone that way. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think I think for a lot of it, I think I tried to keep a foot in each side of the world. You know, I have a foot in the tech world and I have a foot in the homesteading. And, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, but I, I, I think overall, like I'm I'm passionate about where I'm going um, and I use my free time to kind of pursue that and I use my work to, to fuel it. And I don't think that's bad. Um, nope. I, I completely agree with what you said. You know, I, I think a lot of times the whole thing with like, do what you love. Um, you know, somebody has got to pump that septic tank out. Maybe Somebody, they love it. There are people that do. There are people that do. And I will like I won't, money to me. Yeah, I won't denigrate, you know, but, but for a lot of people, it's it's a paycheck, and that's not a bad thing. There are, you know, I think we've had the conversation about college before. Mm-hmm. There's kids that should, and there's kids that shouldn't. And there's there's people that they have the ambition and the drive to go do something crazy. And there's people that are happy to just put in a day's work and kick their feet up. I'm not one of those people. Um, you know, and this is harder. It's, it's objectively harder to do both 
the way um, the way we try and do things. But I enjoy it. I I do. So I don't I don't know. I w- I wouldn't necessarily demean the other way. But it is a foreign concept to me. I don't understand. Like when they talk about, you know, I watched I watched eight hours of Netflix and uh, cooked a meal, and then watched another two hours of Netflix and went to bed. And I'm no, they didn't there. cook that meal. They got DoorDash. Well, probably, probably. But where they maybe they had time because they don't have children either. Um, you know, I have I have five children, and I mean, I didn't DoorDash because the DoorDash would have been two hundred dollars. And DoorDash doesn't come to my house either way, you know. So I mean, there's a difference, and and mm-hmm. I, I I like I said, I won't dog on those people, but it is foreign. It's entirely foreign, um, and it was foreign before, even before I moved out to where I was. I always wanted to fiddle with something or do something, or you know, I'd be out squirrel hunting just to get out in the woods, you know. So I mean, stuff like that, where I I tr- I did try and do other things. I wasn't just going to sit there and consume. Um, Josiah is passionate about killing animals. Got it. <laughs> I am. I am. I mean, I'm repping a, a hunting shirt, you know? That's a nice follow-up to last week's episode. Yeah. As long yeah. as it's moral and humane and all those things, it's ethical. Yeah, I like uh, um, I, I like that uh, idea of just staying busy. I, I'm not the, the kind of person that can sit down and watch TV. I, I need to be out doing something. I'd much rather... You know, I remember one time we lived in Chile. I... Um, know at work they'd be like hey man hope you you know hope you get some rest you look really tired and then i'd come in on monday hey did you get some rest you know and i'm like no man i hiked like 20 kilometers and camped out over the weekend they're like what is wrong with you you know but that's (laughs) like that's what that's what rejuvenates me sounds awesome yeah that's what gets me like that's what makes me feel rested even though you know you're you're doing something it makes you feel um like you know yeah you hit that pillow harder like you don't, oh, yeah. you don't lay in bed like you know like bumming around on your phone like you know when i take a sh- like take a shower in the evening when i'm in bed like it doesn't take five minutes to get me to fall asleep nope but um moving moving on so i'm, I'm glad you're here long story because i have no idea how to decipher this book you wrote in the uh, show notes here. Is a lot of, um, I, I, I can see that it's English and that's about all I know. Well, I'm sorry, man. I felt, I felt really self-indulgent doing that. Um, no, I was, oh, what I was trying to talk, let's talk about, about it. Let's go. Yeah. Well, what I was trying to talk about was, you know, we, we're, we're such a polarized um, society right now. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've read um, I've read a conflict of visions. I haven't actually finished um, the Righteous Mind, but uh, the, you know there's the, the concept in both books is that you know there's a there's a certain kind of vision or mindset that people have um, that drives them to be kind of more you know progressive or more conservative or whatever. And, you know, I've definitely, definitely grew up in more of a conservative home and everything, but by the same token, you know, you recognize that there's a need to question, you know, why we do what we do today and maybe it can be improved upon. Um, and then, you know, if you're someone who comes from more of a progressive background, you, you know, I think also need to recognize that, hey, there might actually be a reason that we do what we do and we should Maybe we should question it, but we shouldn't toss it out and you know toss it into the garbage. And I think the the mindset that needs to die is this concept that we're going to throw away millennia of culture, traditions, etc., and um, just start from scratch with twenty year old wisdom. Um, I think that's that's just very dangerous. It's like uh, it's an existential threat to the human race. Um, and and I think you saw that manifest itself. I'm going to dive right into the controversial topic of the the COVID-19 vaccines, but you know that this idea that science is that we're wise enough to adequately use tools like mRNA um, without putting some more safeguards around it and doing a little more, being a little more you know kind of measured in the way it was rolled out. I thought that was just pure hubris, and that stuff scares the crap out of me because I, I think 
you know, is there a chance that we made a huge mistake with that? Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance we made a huge mistake with that. And if, uh, you know, it's not that I was, I, I was, I'm not against it. I'm not against that. I'm saying, let's just be more measured. And I think what needs to die is this all or nothing. You know, we got to throw out all the old, bring in the new, or, you know, anything new is completely, uh, you know, it's stupid and whatever. It, there's, there's, we need to recognize that if I'm more of a conservative, uh, you know, kind of mindset that I need people around me who have a more progressive view so that we can work together and, and, and make measure changes that bring, you know, that take us forward. Um, so, yeah. So that I, I mentioned those two books, a conflict division by Thomas soul and the righteous mind by hate, um, because they both kind of address this issue. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of part of that. Uh, I mentioned trade off the, the idea. There's no trade offs that tends to, that kind of mindset tends to come from, you know, people that think that you don't like, like think of a, a, a woman who wants to be a career woman, high level executive and be a mom really hard to do both of those. Well, really oh, hard. Yeah. And our, our world is telling, you know, telling has been telling a lot of young women, Hey, you can have it all. And that's not real. It's not, it's not real. It's just, it, it, we should tell them that you can do whatever you want to do, but we shouldn't tell them you can have it all because you, like I said a minute ago, I chose career so I can fund the, whatever became my passion. My buddy chose his passion, but doesn't always have the funding for the things he'd like to do. There was a trade-off in both, in both side it's there was a trade-off if i'm if i want to be a great mom or a great dad and I'll, I'll tell you i sacrificed a lot being in terms of the way i was able to be a father with my career choices i was traveling a lot i mean i've got over save it for next miles. week dang it <laughs> it's just about <laughs> we're, I'll, we're i'll stop right there then fatherhood we're doing fatherhood next week okay well i'll, I'll stop i'll stop there but i mean there's trade-offs <laughs> There's trade-offs, and we need we need yeah. progressive mindsets, and we need conservative mindsets. We need to work together. Um, that's that's that was really the point of what I was my diatribe. So, no, no, I I like you, that. you got a lot of stuff to unpack in there. Um, there is a lot. Uh, so I guess one thing that that kind of hit for me about the the working moms, you know, like being you know an executive and you know trying to be a mom like this. This, this idea that you can you can have it all but you gotta give one of those things your all otherwise like th- like sure you can be an executive mom like be an executive and a mom but you're not gonna be i don't i don't think you're gonna be great at either one of those like uh, at least sorry great at both of them at the same time like man if you can if you can find that balance teach seminars uh, yeah teach other people how to do yeah. that if you can figure out like that work-life balance because um i bet people would just eat pay twenty thousand dollars for that course like uh, well i mean honestly yeah when you see women that are successful and in both of those areas it's usually because they've got great support from extended family or or something, you know, there's, there's something that they've been able to add into their lifestyle that makes that work well. And again, I, I don't think that society should be telling women that you can't be an executive. I don't think we should be telling women that you shouldn't be a mom. I think we should be exactly. telling them, Hey, you can do whatever you want, but just recognize there's going to be trade-offs and you may one day regret one decision or the other. And I, I saw it a lot in my career. I've managed, uh, I managed a, a team of a, a little over a hundred and at one point we had 14 women who were either pregnant or on leave from maternity. Mm. And the funny thing to me was, um, you know, how many of the people who were like, I'm definitely going back to work, uh, who got to the moment and didn't want to come back to work. And how many of the women who said, I'm definitely going to stay home with my baby. And then like six months later, like I got to get back to work. Is there any, is there a spot for me? <laughs> so mm. I think there was a lot of people that, you know, that, and I think a lot of us, I mean, look, I'm, I'm an example of that um, in terms of, you know, starting off down this kind of corporate career path thing and like, you know, super ambitious and then saying, you know what, I'd rather 
see if I can grow pigs, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, a lot of us, yeah, and I think we need to be able to, that's another thing, the mindset needs to die is decided that we can't change our mind, we can't be wrong, we can't say, hey, you know, I've reevaluated, I, I'm, I'm going to think about this a different way now. So, anyway, I'm sorry, man, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm kind of, no, it's been good. Know, deep thought, yeah. Jeff, here, but. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I think, I think you're, I, I think, you know, there's, um, I'm, I'm not a sports guy, but I know that there's a, a number of, of athletes that have been able to play multiple sports and, you know, at a really high level. And I think there are women that could do both, um, at a really yep. high level, but I, I do mm-hmm. think in general, it's, they're, they're either genetic flukes. Um, they're those kind of women or, or men kind of people, you know, that can do the four hours of sleep and they, they, yep. they really can do it all. Um, and you might see that on YouTube, you might see that on an influencer or something, you know, some high level exec doing it all, but by and large, the average person can't, the average person can't, yeah. do they don't have the bandwidth. Um, that's right. It, it's trade-offs and it's, it's yeah. trade. I mean, I was talking about it with the one foot in each world. Um, yep. It means it's harder to do a little, you know, I, I, I work it, um, you know, so I have, I have some tech in the home. That means I, I wasn't funneling. I bought a laptop. I wasn't funneling that money towards fencing. I probably should have done fencing. Um, you know, so there, there are trade-offs. There are trade-offs along the way, yep. um, just like you said. Like the other thing with the with the conservative and the the left wing, right wing, we've been seeing that some um, in the church I go to. You have the uh, the stodgy traditionalists who. Uh, been going there and they they've been going there for years and they like it the way it is and then you have all the people that have left because they don't like what it is um and you have to you have to somehow manage to you know combine those two understanding that you know the people that have been going to that church for 50 years they bring something to the table because they've been doing it for 50 years um but at the same time you know the the other people they bring something to the table too. And there's, there's a strength in having both viewpoints. There's a strength in having both groups of those people, you know, in my context, there's a strength in having both groups of those people go to church. Um, you need both. And yep. uh, there's a strength in having those perspectives. Um, you know, my way is the best way clearly. Yeah. Um, but, but just because my way is the best way doesn't mean that I, I don't, I don't need a perspective. I don't need a different perspective. So. Yeah, I, I really like what I like that, especially when you when you times comes to religion, because I think, um, you know, I, I, I talk to people who are very critical of religion uh, from time to time. And one thing I, I try to express is I have a view that religion is essentially this compendium of millennia of cultural wisdom that we we need. You know, we need it. Um, does that mean that that we should have used the Bible to justify slavery? Probably not, you know, probably, probably should have stopped before we got to that point, you know, but by the same token, you know, um, you know, people, people have been, you know, (laughs) misusing uh, religion um, a lot. And so I I guess some of those criticisms are fair, but we, we need it. We need that cultural wisdom and we need to, you know, be very judicious about when we toss that out um, and replace it with something new. That was really my whole point, you know. Like, we need to be open to new things, but we need to be very careful. It's, you know, it's a, it's the whole Chesterton's uh, fence or Chesterton's gate. If you can explain why the gate is there, then you can tear it down. And I think that's kind of what we need to see more of in our in our discourse. Mm, I sure. agree. Yeah the um, the thing about religion is a lot of people's issue with religion. I, I feel like stems from like the, you know, more, more leadership than anything. Um, and that's a problem with like people, not necessarily, you know, religion. You get what I'm seeing? Like, you know, I got an issue with the Pope or like the bishops or, you know, cler- like the clergy, like the people inside the church, not so much like the, ethos around it i guess for lack of a better yeah, word. yeah we i i've actually i've pulled this i've pulled this quote out a couple times so we had a pastor um growing up he used to say that um non-christians act like non-christians and christians act like non-christians um but but neither one really shows neither you know neither one's showing showing jesus um and you can kind of apply that to a lot of religions um but you know i'm, I'm as a christian I'll, I'll go ahead and i'll 
you know, keep that quote. You know, the the people don't necessarily fully reflect the ethos behind behind a particular faith um, consistently. You know, in a way that truly reflects what what the their faith really means. Um, you know, and that's that's people being people. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that that happens with that is that we start getting really obsessed with how to define what a true Christian is. And we, um, you know, um, if you go, you know, if you look at the, um, the, the, uh, what were the, what are they called? The five, the five things, you know, inerrancy of scripture and the five things that are, you know, this is the right belief. It's interesting because Christianity became with, with, I think partially because of those, those five tenets that became kind of the, the, the basis of fundamentalism, it became more about right belief than right action. And that's where I think the church goes wrong. And like, we need to be more concerned about creating heaven on earth or bringing the, the kingdom of God, you know, here uh, by serving other people and, and acting right. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to offend anyone that who believes that those things are, are really, really critical, those five beliefs, but I think that the obsession with defining what a true Christian is sometimes gets in the way. Anyway. No, I will, we'll go ahead and, and take that bunny trail because one of the, one of the things that I've, I've been talking about in Sunday school actually was early Christians. They didn't have this huge lit, litmus test. They didn't have um, 2000 years of, of teaching and dogma. Um, they had a few letters from a few guys that, that followed Jesus around and some of those teachings. So they weren't, they weren't called to study and to be uber focused on the legalism behind the belief or, you know, the, whether you're a true Christian or not, they were called to just be obedient right. and just follow, you know, there weren't, there's not a whole lot of rules involved, you know? Um, and we've added some on, but ultimately, I mean, you're right. The actions is what the actions is what shows the the true obedience to to Christianity. And you know, if you get that down, then yeah, sure. You know, school me on my theology. You know, whatever whatever <laughs> errors I have. Right. You know, but until then, I mean, the the balance is, you know, we need to we need to act like good Christians first before we before we talk about who's who's a who's a true Christian and who's not. Yep. One thing that I wanted to. Uh touch on that long story and Josiah said a little bit um, a little while back was that we need the new with the old. We need both, both sides kind of like, so think about, think about tribes old, like uh, let's say could be um, indigenous peoples or even like, let's say Asian cultures, like they have a huge respect for their elders um, they wouldn't necessarily always be leading the tribe or the community or the group, but they were always there. They were always respected because they could remember like they were, they were like, you know, living history books, you know, stories from their, you know, their ancestors that they knew and that they passed on. And um, how does that wisdom apply to what's happening now? How do we deal with that kind of, like that, that, like that gate that you, uh, the gate thing. That yeah, Chesterton, Chesterton's fence. Yeah. Well, um, you, you mind if I just mention? I think, I think it's really interesting because when you look at like, uh, this is, I, I feel like I'm going to attack after this uh, thing if anybody listens to this. But um, the my my grandparents. So I have uh, a grandfather who was two old you know had kids before the second world war another grandfather who fought in the second world war that generation was extremely useful like they knew how to do a lot of things my dad's generation mostly was pretty useful my dad was like a very he was born in 42 so very early if you will boomer or a little pre-boomer whatever but you have a whole generation now that's being raised with grandparents whose main occupation is leisure right and so you, i look at my speak about that a little like leisure in what way well what i mean is like you have a, a whole lot of grandparents right now who are spending their retirement uh traveling um you know they have a second home they travel whatever they whereas i grew up watching my grandparents 
butcher hogs, raise gardens, run a mule team, fix tractors. Like I watched my grandparents. Oh, we're losing him. And oh, there he is. Oh, I, my, I, I, I grew up watching my grandparents do the work and, and knowing extremely useful. And I think the, the person, uh, oh, man. dropped out. No, I can fill in, fill in for a second. Um, kids. Kids imitate. I mean, like literally it's like monkey see monkey do like that is what they do. They are masters at mimicry. Um, and like, I'm, I'm seeing this every day with my two year old. Yeah. I mean, he, I'll, I'll do something. I won't even notice that I do it. Like it's so subconscious to me. And then I'll see him do it. Like, Damn it. I do do that. Don't I? <laughs> and, and it's uh, always like your worst habits. Um, but you know, you, you see your, your grandparents, uh, just basically lounge around, not really do anything like, well, I guess, uh, I guess I should call the pool boy to skim this pool. Cause there's uh, one too many leaves in it. And, um, well, I, I, I could call a mechanic to get my oil changed or whatever. Like they don't long do stories, right though. Like from a, from a generational perspective, so my grandparent or my, my, the only grandpa that I knew, uh, my paternal grandpa, he, um, he was too young for world war two. Um, but he fought in Korea and Vietnam. Um, then was an x-ray tech for a little bit till his retirement kicked in fully. Um, but he was career, um, army air force and, um, he was done. He was just done working. He didn't do anything. I never saw him work. Um, he was clearly a very capable person, um, very intelligent. Uh, you know, he flew helicopters, gunship. I mean, the works. He was, he was a very smart guy. Um, but I never saw him do anything. And then uh, he moved to Alabama. Um, so an 18-hour road trip from from us. And um, I saw him a couple times a year if, if I was lucky. Um, so there was a disconnect, you know. So they moved, and I, I never saw it. I never witnessed any of that stuff. Unfortunately, I, I had my father. Um, who just did everything partially because mm -hmm. he was a cheapskate, um, you know, partially because he was capable and he loved, he loved being independent, but sure. you know, I, I didn't see that, you know? And so there is that there, I lost a generation, you know, and I got to hear towards the end of his life. I got to hear some of his stories, um, but I missed, I missed that wisdom um, from, from my grandpa. And I miss, I miss the wisdom, but I also missed the learning. Um I didn't get, I didn't get. And, and so to, to long story's point that, that kind of, you know, in a nutshell, that the difference between us, the generational gap there shows what I missed out. Um, yeah. And it's, it's funny. I mean, we just in, in uh, a church the other day that we were talking about rain and one of the, one of the younger farmers, I think he's a year older than me was talking about how bad the year was here. And um, one of the old guys was like, well, there was a year in, um, 84 is the year I got married that, um, we ended up, you know, I ended up taking a long honeymoon because we weren't going to get the crops in anyways, you know, because th we had so much rain. Um, so I mean, just stuff like that, where you get that, this wisdom and this knowledge that comes from this guy having farmed here, you know, he's a, a century farm. Missouri recognizes, you know, if they've farmed for a hundred years in the one spot, you know, mm. so he's from a century farm. So he's got a century of knowledge and how to farm here. Yep. And, you know, versus someone like me where I move in here and I'm like, you know, it was really cold last year. And, you know, I hear from the, the neighbor, you know, that that was a really, really brutal cold winter, um, you know. And so I know, OK, maybe negative 20 for two or three weeks out of the year. That That's not normal. But we miss all that knowledge, you know, because they weren't yep. living it. They weren't doing it. So I think Long Story yeah, is actually back here. So. Yeah, and I think I think the chat the, the problem is that the, this generation's raised seeing their grandparents not be useful and discounts therefore anything that's old, sure. and they're saying essentially we're going to have to figure out how to get us out of the, ourselves out of this mess because our culture, our traditions, our history are useless. Look at our grandparents, and I, and I I know that's a super harsh judgment of the boomers. I don't mean to be like okay boomer kind of. I'm not. That's not the vibe I'm going for. I'm just saying like. You know, you have you have some grandparents that have been, uh, you know, lived through the depression. Like in my case, my grandmother lived through the through the Great Depression. She saved her aluminum foil, very very thrifty. 
Um, you know, Washington. Dude, my grandma forth. still does that. She says yeah. wrapping paper, and I don't think yeah. she can get out of it. And you know, if you you think about the times we might be heading into, especially if the inflation thing, like we were talking about earlier, if that if that takes hold, you know, people might be back to that, and they will they will not have any. And none of them will have heard the lore of their grandparents explaining how they weathered those types of events. And I think that's the that's the danger, you know. Well, in in my limited group, you know, the the all of my friends' parents are boomers. And even when that, like, they'll be shocked at what my parents will do for us or what my wife's parents will do for us and the involvement and yep. the, the level of wisdom that they, you know, they, they try and interact. And I mean, to the point where, like, I, I thought it was kind of normal. And then I hear all these horror stories from my friends and acquaintances and coworkers, you know, talking about how their parents want nothing to do with kids or won't help or any of those things. So, I mean, yeah. I, I would like I don't like castigating boomers or, or throwing an entire generation under their bus. But but I, I do like the positive stories about boomer boomer parents and grandparents uh, are, are more the exception to the yeah, rule. They're apparently. Rare. Yep. So, yep. Yep. I didn't well, realize I, we were going to go down this road. This is, this is yeah, it was a, like, it was a far like, ranging, no, far ranging no, discussion night. No, it's awesome. It's a, it's a mindset that needs to die that, um, you know, the, the discounting the older generations like that, that mindset needs to die. Like there's still something there. You just might need to, you know, dig down deep to get at it, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, there, there are people around that still carry some of that wisdom and knowledge. And I, I made a, a friend recently, I've talked about on Twitter, um, uh, his name is Dr. Jim Kibler. He's a, uh, he was a professor of, of English at uh, university of Georgia. turns out he's uh, he's a cousin of mine. Um, and he's been working really hard to catalog some of the agricultural practices from the mid 1800s um, in the area, especially among the yeoman, the you know, yeoman farmers that were descended from, from German immigrants um, and uh, cataloging some of the gardens and heirloom seeds and all kinds of cool stuff. And, you know, I've, I've cultivated a bit of a friendship with him and, and uh, you know, trying to glean what I can. He's very, he's very focused on trying to pass along some of this information. And um, it's, it's a neat thing. If you find people uh, that are willing to share that information, um, it's a rich, rich resource. So. Absolutely. Is there anything you guys want to want to wrap up on? This is very interesting conversation. It took some twists and turns like we were just saying, but uh, yeah, enjoyed this very much. There was, there was one thing that um, I wanted to wrap up on about your, your final note here. Long story at the bottom, it says time and money. Uh, we talked about that off and on throughout, um, you know, choosing one over the other. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm for what I'm trying to achieve here. Um, I'm going for uh, quality of time over money. Like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, nobody, nobody knows how much time they have left. And uh, I'll, I just want to do as much as I can with the like time I think I have and um, I'll figure out ways to make money during that time. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of yeah. my approach is, is how I'm, yeah. I'm going about this. So. Yeah. That's uh, I, I made that note really just talking about uh, kind of what Josiah and we were talking about earlier, you know, having a job to fund what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and, and in my case, at least until, we can grow the farm enough to, to be able to say, okay, we can, we can make it. Um, but you know, there's, there's again, trade-offs, there's a lot of risk in that and we've got to be careful and measured and we need to think about, uh, how to introduce the new stuff, the farm before we throw out the old stuff, the job, you know, just like we were talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Um, segueing into potentially next, next week's topic as a, as a father of five children, I'm risk averse, because of that like fatherhood yep. has changed my level of, of acceptable risk to the point where i i do want an off-farm job because well do i think that i could scale up over a year or two and maybe make something happen here maybe 
do I want to take the risk? Do I want to put, you know, I, and, and so there is a balance. I mean, you know, as I, like I said, it's kind of a segue. There's a balance to that. And, you know, my answer isn't the same for everybody, but that is one of the reasons why I didn't jump in, you know, with both feet into this. And I do, I have one foot back, back in the other world. I'm, I'm just more risk averse now than I would have yep. been 10 years ago. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing more about that next week. So, uh, just, I want you to start where people can, uh, find, find out more about you and stalk you. All right. I am on Twitter at, um, inventive 15, um, where you can look as Josiah young and, um, it's over the moon farm. We, uh, we raise goats and chickens, do little sales here and there, and mostly just relate, um, my, my bumbling experiences on, uh, getting the ball rolling here. So cute goat pictures and goat pictures. That's right. (laughs) Cool. Go ahead. Long story. Yeah. So, uh, long story farms, we're raising, uh, uh, poultry and pork and we're selling in some farmers markets here in the Newberry, South Carolina area. And, uh, a little bit on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Um, try to keep farm focused, but every now and then I, uh, break the rules set by my wife about how to use the account and talk about some (laughs) other stuff. So, uh, but yeah, um, you know, enjoy having these types of conversations and try to engage, um, in some of these ideas, um, you know, on Twitter, uh, mostly try to stay focused on the farm if I can, though. So look for us in both places. And certainly if you're in the South Carolina area, let us know. We'd love to love to apply you with some some pork or, or poultry. Yeah. And I am Matt DeRocher of a Farm Hop Life. You can find us everywhere. Farmhoplife.com and a bunch of other social media accounts. Uh, you guys hang tight. I'm, I, I got some more questions just for a couple of minutes if you got time. So sure. uh, appreciate you guys being here. Um and I appreciate everyone for listening and hanging out with us. It's been fun. See you next week. <laughs>